0: Uh, today, what I want to do is I want to I want to give you a message that I think is going to set you up for uh, just to have extra resilience in your life. Okay, as I was just you know just over the last several weeks, I was just praying and I, I kept getting this like word on my heart that I wanted just to impart into you, and so. Uh, today's message is a little unique because I—it's—it's I, it's really think of it this way. It's—it's it's my pastoral heart that I want to impart some theology into you that is going to cause you to be joyful in a in a really bizarre way. In other words, I want you to be able to have like a taproot into the joy of the Holy Spirit, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna warn you right up in in advance. I'm gonna give you a lot of scripture. Uh, but we're going to have fun as we do it as well. Uh, just now, those of you who uh, might have been around here for a while, you might remember like right after COVID hit here at Substance, I had a life-altering spinal injury. I had a, a bike accident where I went over the handlebars and, and then literally into a pole and then lost all feeling in my arms. And and uh, I, I had to spend a good portion of, my, of, of 2020 in a neck brace as if... As if it wasn't hard enough wearing masks, imagine wearing a neck brace and a mask, you know? And and of course, you know, the problem with a neck brace is you just, you can't hide it. It's like a big dork flag that you just walk around with. And then everyone who sees you is compelled, what did you do? You know, like, and, you know, they just have to ask for what's the story? And of course, the story wasn't glorious at all, right? I, I was a dork. I went over my handlebars. And uh, I wish, I wish, I almost, over time, I wanted to, like, invent a story. Like, oh, I was rescuing a young child from the train tracks of a train right before, and I dove, and and all is well, you know. But actually, the real story was just kind of lame, right? And then, of course, then the next question everybody would ask me is, did you wear a helmet? (laughs) Uh, Of course not. (laughs) No, I I was just like, it, it was Every time people would see me, it would result in two things. It would result in embarrassing pity. Oh, I'm so sorry. And it would result in Darth Vader jokes. <laughs> you know, because when I put on a COVID mask, I looked like dying Darth Vader without a helmet. And I, I see it. I see the resemblance. I get it. Okay. I can admit it. Okay. It's, it looks pretty accurate. Now, the hardest, I, just so that we don't stare at that. Okay. Okay. The, the the hardest part, though, as I look back on that whole experience, was not the physical battle. Yes, it was very nerve-wracking, not being able to feel. I couldn't text; it was the weirdest thing. Um, and I just because I couldn't feel my thumbs, and I couldn't, um, I you know, I I couldn't drive. I could barely sleep, right? Because you can't have a pillow with that thing. And the hardest part, though, actually, it was a mental problem. It was a mental fight. That that was the hardest part because. You know, it was waiting to find out if I had to do surgery. There was a, uh, the surgery that they would do for for this particular injury had a one in four chance of me losing my ability to swallow and talk. And uh, and so if they did the surgery, because they have to go in and pull your vocal cords aside and... And, uh, and, of course, it would take full three months in this neck brace before I would even know if I could avoid the surgery. And so you could just imagine. I mean, this is like, especially for a guy like me who's extra broody, you know, like, this is like a black hole for my brain to fall into every single day, every waking hour. I was just, and because uh, I, I couldn't stop thinking, well, like, how in the world am I going to pastor if I can't speak? How in the world am I even going to, like, I can't what will eating look like? If I can't swallow, what will, what will I mean, how, what will my, how will my marriage change? I mean, it's just like there's no end to all the things you can think about. And, of course, the only way, I'm just telling you, church, the only way I could escape that mental black hole was by worshiping the Lord And by serving other people. Worship got my mind off of me and it got me uh, thinking about God, okay? That's what worship does. And servanthood got my mind off of me and got me started thinking about other people's problems, other people's burdens. And in that moment, after going through that, I kind of realized something profound and it's this. My problems are not my biggest issues. Rather, it's my self-centeredness. Okay, my problems aren't my biggest issue. Actually, God made it clear to me that the reason why he's not solving all my problems just like this, that he's going to solve them, but the reason why he's not solving it really quick is because he's trying on purpose to solve something bigger than my problems, which is my self-focus. I'm overly focused on myself, or if I could put it this way, self-worship. Okay, if all we ever think about is our circumstances and how they're not ideal, that's really self-worship. And so worship and ministry actually get our eyes on something bigger than ourselves, right? They liberate us from the tyranny of our overly magnified needs. And let me tell you, all of us have overly magnified needs in our lives. It's a natural byproduct of our sin nature. And, and, And so sometimes God solves my problems and sometimes he gives me a mission that's bigger than my problems, I don't get the choice a lot of times. And so if you're out there and you're like, well, why isn't God healing me? Well, sometimes he's actually giving you a mission that's bigger than your problems. And yeah, he'll he'll work on that too, okay? Don't worry. God has you in mind. But I I think sometimes he's actually trying to teach us a much more important lesson. And I'm saying all this because I just, I had this sense that God brought you to church today because he wants some of you to readjust your focus. Your focus is off. You've gotten kind of into that consumerism, and your eyes are on the wrong thing, and you're maybe lacking some of these disciplines like worship, servanthood, mission, and if so, you're going to miss some of the greater things that God is doing, and so here's the truth, okay? Um, In seasons like this, it's easy to get caught up in the question, why me? I think we've all prayed that prayer, why me, many, many times. In fact, many of us, that's the only prayer we pray. Why me, God? Why this? Why now? Why me? And again, it's a me focus. And so what I want to do today is I want to remind you of, of four Bible truths that, that you and I can remind ourselves of when we are in a why me season. Four truths that'll kind of help jumpstart you, that'll help get you out of the ditch when, and, and hey, you may not be in a why me season Right now, you, right now, your life might be absolutely wonderful and it's going great. But someday, guess what? You're going to have a moment, okay? And, and that moment, so take notes today because you're going to need these truths to help you just think straight, okay? These, if you lack the skills that will anchor you, guess what? The devil is going to cause your boat to float all over the place. Your mind is going to go everywhere. And so if you have your Bibles, why don't you turn with me to Isaiah 43 And we're going to start in verse one. And and I love this Bible verse because it's filled with promises. Really, there's a lot of theology that you and I can derive from this simple little verse out of Isaiah. And it's a beautiful promise. God says, Do not fear, for I have redeemed you, I have summoned you by name. It's personal. It's, it's not just, oh, I'm calling a big group of people. Oh, yeah, I don't know who you are back there, but you can come. Okay, no, he said you, your name. He summoned you by name. You are mine. God says that about you. Kind of like when you were on the playground and, you know, they were choosing teams, okay? God chose you, okay? You got chosen. Some of you are like, well, I didn't get chosen first. Well, stop whining about it. You were chosen, okay? God says, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And when you walk through the fire, the difficulties, the tough diagnoses, the frustrating co-workers, the difficult financial scenarios, when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Some of you, you've forgotten that. He is your Savior, and that's what he does. That's who he is. That is what he does. It is what he is doing in your life. He's summoned you by name. He has chosen you. But what does it mean to be chosen? What does chosen mean? Well. Chosen to do what? Well, all throughout the Bible, we see this word chosen, and in fact, there's a TV show called The Chosen, which by the way, if you haven't seen, is like literally the greatest thing ever. I'm just telling you, watch it, right? But if he chose you, guess what that means? That means you're the perfect person for the job, okay? Stop making excuses. Stop playing the victim. Again, Isaiah says, don't fear. You're going to do great things. You're going to be, you're, you're going to defy the odds. Why? Because you are mine. I am your God, and I am your Savior. And you got to live like that. Let me. If you let that really sink into you, guess what? You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna have a little swagger, okay? You're going to be like, well, stop. My dad's bigger than your dad. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not going to affect you the same way. You're going to be like... Uh, You know, you're going to feel that. But chosen to do what is the million-dollar question. Right here, we're going to find out what. 1 Peter 2, 9. Okay, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. I guarantee you he had that scripture in mind. But why? That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Okay, why Were we chosen, chosen to do what? To declare the praises of this God. You were chosen to praise. So if you're wondering what you were chosen for, for worship, we are a people who tend to focus on our God more than our circumstances. That's what makes us different. We are a people who choose to focus on his greatness more than our weakness, that's what makes us distinct. That what, that's what separates us from any other religion on the earth, okay? It, it, we are chosen to talk about the greatness of our God, not, not about all these other things that all the other people get involved in, all the other things that other humans get distracted with. No, we are just obsessed with the greatness of our God, and we can't stop talking about it. Why? Because we were chosen to worship, okay? And, and so it, it, I, the first truth I remember whenever I'm in a YME season is get my focus on God, I was chosen to praise. And so if you're in a tough situation today, again, don't be focusing on your situation, your circumstances, again, God, God says, bring it before him, right, at seek and you will find. Okay, I think there's, you can seek God for wisdom, you can bring those prayer requests before him, that's what he calls us to do. But once you lay them down, lay them down and focus on his greatness. Magnify him. See how big he is, okay? The, the very words that spoke the universe. He is actually working on your behalf. He may not do it in your timeline and then in, in your, the way that you like it, but he is working and in the meantime, what is your job? You're chosen to praise, okay? Not focus on your problems. Well, then First Peter goes on to say, we weren't merely chosen to praise, we were actually chosen to serve. Check out verse 12, right? In the same context, that we were just reading, Peter goes on, he says, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Christ is coming back and he's saying in the meantime, I want you just to be busy serving people, doing good deeds, serving non-Christians, and hey, those non-Christians, they're gonna, they're, they're gonna actually call good evil. Okay, just know that in advance, Peter is saying, and hey, some of these people, they're not going to glorify God until they see him coming in the sky. Okay, so some, some of these people are going to be a little extra stubborn, but don't worry. In the meantime, you got your task already laid out for you. You were chosen to serve, okay? So that's the next thing. When you're in a why me season, you're not focusing on you, you're focusing on praise, and you're focusing on serving others, okay? This is a discipline that sometimes is gonna be a little hard because it's easy to focus on yourself. It's easy to focus, especially when you're not feeling so well, it's easy to focus on ah, how you feel. When, again, life is life, and at some point, though, we have to realize what we were chosen to do and get our mind on that mission, okay, chosen to serve. But here's where a lot of Christians get confused. Here's moments where I've struggled over the years. You know, it's easy to feel like, well, okay, if God chose me, which is a good thing, which means I am chosen for favor, then, then why is my life so difficult, God? You know what I'm saying? Like, why? like again, it's, it's hard not to fall right back into that. Well, once again, just because God summoned you by name doesn't mean you're not going to walk through the fire. We just read that in Isaiah 43, right? It doesn't, just because you're going to walk through the fire, the difference is it's not going to consume you and burn you and you're not going to smell like smoke. Amen? So the presence of adversity doesn't negate the fact that God's favor is on you. In fact, it, it, one of the things that God also chose us for, and here's kind of an interesting twist, okay? Uh, you were chosen to praise, you were chosen to serve, but guess what? We were also chosen to suffer, for it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him. Woo! It's granted, oh, it was granted, loved ones. You got the request, it is granted on behalf of Christ to suffer for him. Congratulations. Now, some of you, if that sounds funny, some of you are like, how in the world, how in the world can you even use the words like blessed and suffer in the same sentence? Well, if you think like God thinks, and if you know what God knows, it would suddenly make sense. And, I, and I, I, I'm sharing this. I know this truth sounds counterintuitive, but for some of you, this is the problem for you. And if you could just understand how God thinks, even about suffering, if you could actually adopt a theology of suffering, You're going to see that it's not incompatible with God saying, I came that you would have life to the fullest, okay? God did say that as well. I came that you might have life to the fullest, but also I called you to suffer. How in the world are those two things compatible? Once you reconcile those two biblical truths, I'm telling you, you're really going to start having fun, right? That's actually where true Christianity picks up because you start to experience resurrection power, which only comes to things that die. In other words, death is required in order to have power okay you, you, so at some point you're, you actually are going to celebrate even the death in your life okay the suffering in your life we've been blessed with the opportunity to suffer okay uh, so just uh, kind of an interesting story you know I've had the opportunity to go all over the world I've been I, I've done a lot of conferences in the Middle East I've done a lot of conferences in the far east I've 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 seen I've I've met a lot of pastors who've had their entire church shut down by the government, and uh, you know it, it's obviously way it, traditionally it's been less rare here in the West, but uh, you know it, it's definitely coming for us. And and uh, in fact, even just after COVID, there were over ten thousand churches that were kicked out of their facilities and never uh, allowed back. Okay, so it was a it was a huge issue for churches. And, and I felt like all throughout 2020 and 2021, I was giving pastors CPR. It was just an unprecedented number of pastors that wanted to quit ministry. And um, a year ago, I got to preach at a church in Toronto. Uh, honestly, probably one of the coolest churches I've gotten to to preach at in the last several years. It was just really a beautiful, beautiful church. A couple thousand people uh, that were meeting at a high school there and beautifully diverse church. And um you know, but a, a month ago, uh, the pastor called me with terrible news. They had just gotten kicked out of their building. And, uh, and so I, I was like, you know, which is a huge deal because moves like that have a massive impact on finances, on people. And I'm like, what happened? You know, like, wh- wh- why did you get kicked out of your building? You're, you've been so kind to the community. Like, what, what in the world? And, and, and he just said, well, ugh, the school board just voted that. Uh, they believe the Bible is hate speech, and, that, um, and, and because of that, they voted that we need to leave. And, uh, and, and, so, and I'm like, well, did you protest it? And he goes, well, of course I did. He goes, I, I finally asked them, I'm like, have I, did, I, did I say something? Did, did any of our people do anything? And they actually were very, very clear with me, no, uh, you have not done anything. It's not your actions that offend us, but your beliefs, disagreement, we believe is hate, and therefore, we voted to uh, not allow you to rent from us anymore. And, of course, you know, he was stunned. Like, wow, like, gosh, if we're going to define hate as belief instead of behavior, then, gosh, everybody's hateful, right? I mean, and, uh, and, and ironically, the only reason why they were even renting the high school is because the c- they own a building, ironically, but the city won't allow them to move into their own building because of the same reason, right? And so he's like... I don't even know what to do anymore, right, and I I, I, I found myself just, you know, I, I don't even know what to say to, to this guy in this moment, because I just, I, I felt his pain, you know, it was just, it was so heavy, because I knew exactly what that meant, and, um, and this is going to be a million dollar swing for him, this is going to mean layoffs, this is going to mean people leaving, and He was devastated, and I knew immediately he was about to go into a why me headspace, right? Because it was the same thing I did, you know, several years earlier when that happened to us. And so all of a sudden, out of nowhere, now, church, this is why I like to memorize Scripture, okay? I memorize Scripture because once it gets in you, a lot of times when I'm memorizing, I don't really feel much of anything aside from, "Ah, I don't want to do this. You know what I'm saying? Just being honest. Um, But once it's in there it just jumps out at the most random moments prophetically and that's if you want to learn how to hear the prophetic voice of god then i say memorize as much scripture as possible it will become the language through which god speaks and so i had all of a sudden out of nowhere scripture started erupting and it was like the holy spirit was like peter i want you to tell him this verse and then it was just like it rolled off my tongue and I just wanted to share the scriptures that I, I, I shared with him. It was like automatically, 2 Thessalonians 1, 6 through 7, God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled. Wow, that's, a, that's an intense problem. If you've got a problem going on with your coworkers or your friends or your family, right, he's going to pay back trouble to those who trouble you. I mean, it's, it's, it's essential to his justice, the Lord says. And, and that is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, Second Corinthians 12.10. In insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong, Paul says. In other words, that's where God's power truly starts to kick in when we are insulted. When we're going through difficulty, if you are insulted because of the name of Christ... You are blessed, okay? That Greek word means to be envied. Why? Because for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. You want this. You want this power, First Peter 4.14, okay? And, and indeed, when it's God-appointed suffering, there's always an upside to difficulty. We also rejoice in our suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character, and character, hope. Romans 5, 3 says. So if you and I want to be filled with hope, filled with optimism, count me into that, right? Guess what? It ironically comes through suffering. And not just any suffering, okay? Because some of us, we suffer because we like pity, okay? That's not the, the type of suffering I'm talking about. It says rejoicing in suffering, okay? So in other words, we're, we're, we also rejoice in our sufferings. What does rejoice mean? It means return to joy, rejoice okay it's really ultimately a choice choosing to return to joy in the midst of suffering that's what it means and, and I, I so I there I am on the phone I'm I'm, I'm, I'm sharing these Bible verses and I said hey uh, you know I didn't want to overwhelm my pastor friend with Bible verses and I, I'm like hey bro I, I know this is easier said than done but just know substance is with you heart and soul whatever you need finances, just whatever. I, we're there for you. I want you to know we're going to be praying with you as you walk through all of this. And, you know, in that moment, it kind of reminded me of, of uh, how many of you guys have heard of Corey Ten Boom before. Uh, she, like, uh, she was a Holocaust survivor uh, who wrote a famous book called The Hiding Place, and uh, she was sent to a concentration camp. She was actually from the Netherlands. Uh, she was sent to a concentration camp with her sister because she was helping Jews escape the Nazis. And, of course, uh, when uh, Corrie ten Boom and her sister Betsy uh, first arrived at the concentration camp, they were forced to bunk next to the torture house. And, of course, their descriptions of this torture house were absolutely hellish. I mean, it was day and night. Screams would echo through the walls. And she said there was just every single day you would see the most horrific, dehumanizing things that would just, you just didn't even know how to even process it. And they were forced to sleep in these Communal bunks, body to body, like with no room, and, and there was just, it was just like wood with hay on top, and of course, over time, Corey and her sister Betsy were just, they were forced with a group of other women to switch to a new bunkhouse that was notorious for being the worst of all the bunkhouses. And, of course, when they showed up, sure enough, it was, it was the worst of all. It was rancid with, with smelly hay that was filled with, like, fecal matter. And just, because, again, they have to sleep on this body to body. And, and the bunks were stacked so densely that, that you couldn't even sit up. You had to slide into it like a coffin. And it was body to body. And, of course, the first time Corey and Betsy crawled into this bunk, um, something bit Corey on her leg, and she shrieked and tried to sit up to see what it was, and then hit her head on the bunk above her, and then and then immediately, she, now she's in double pain, right, and freaking out, trying to slide out, and she crawls out, and she realizes she's just covered in fleas that were biting her and, and she's just like trying to pull these fleas off of her like this is awful and they were trying to pick them off and Cory finally said to her sister I can't do this I can't live like this how are we supposed to live here there are fleas everywhere and this hay smells like vomit I can barely even stand to be in this room and, and Betsy her sister well she had managed to smuggle a bible into the camp uh, against all odds and she said well remember what we just read this morning Remember in, in First Thessalonians it says, give thanks in all circumstances. And of course, Corey was like, you know, it was one of those moments like, not now, Betsy, okay? I don't want to hear <laughs> the Bible right now, okay? But no give thanks in all circumstances, and, 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 and let's, including the fleas. Let's just literally thank God for, I mean, and, and Betsy was like, no way. Or I mean, Corey was like, no way, Betsy, I'm not giving thanks for the fleas. Well... And Betsy was like, come on, God knew we were going to be here and knew that we were going to be sharing a bunk bed with fleas, so I'm going to thank God for them, so I'm going to pray. And so she just, they they both started praying like, God, okay, 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 God, I thank you that I have my sister, that's more than most. I I get to be with my family, and God, I thank you that we have a Bible in here. God, I thank you, uh, I even thank you that we are now jammed into the most densely populated bunk because that means more people are gonna hear the gospel. And God, I I thank you even for these fleas. It was hard for them to even say it, but they thanked God for the fleas. Well, fast forward in the coming weeks in that bunk, what was really crazy is sure enough, just like they had prayed that their Bible study took off because there were twice as many women jammed into this thing. When they would share the Bible verses and do their Bible readings, uh, you know, significant quantities of people would participate in this, and really, it, it ended up becoming a booming house church in the middle of this concentration camp. And in the ministry that that Corey and her sister had, it taken off. I mean, like like 10 times what they did in the previous months. And, and mysteriously, the, the prison guards had stopped doing searches. They, normally, they would come in. They would brutalize the lady, terrorize the women. And, and, and they, they all just stopped coming to this bunkhouse. And so they were free to have Bible studies for most of the afternoon. It was like incredible. And, and can anyone take a guess as to why? The fleas. Okay, it turned out every Nazi in that camp knew that if you even go near that bunkhouse, you are going to get fleas. And guess what? God turned their pain, their pain into their protection. I think that when you and I choose to return to joy, one of the ways we do that is by giving thanks for all of our circumstances, even our less perfect ones. And I believe that's where God's power all of a sudden meets us and starts doing creative things. Miracles. I mean, I'm just, God can do this with almost anything. He can turn our pain into a platform. He can turn our misfortune into our fortune. And I, I, I even think about another story that comes to mind is, is one of my mentors is a guy by the name of Bob Hoskins, one of my heroes. And, and he just dreams big. And, and uh, years, years ago, the Lord put a certain country on his heart um, that was completely closed off to the gospel Uh, and uh, in that particular country, it's very common for Christians to die for their faith, and yet there's millions, millions of kids in that country who are open to the gospel. They just do not have any gospel literature, and so even though he felt like it was an impossible dream, he, he began praying, Lord, would you enable me to figure out a way to get a relevant version of the gospel into that country to those kids, those millions of kids? Well... As his organization was making plans to, to distribute the gospel in that country, all of a sudden he had these aches and pains going on in his body, and and he after going to the doctor, he came out with this diagnosis of cancer, which was obviously devastating, because, you know, I mean, he has several travel engagements to that country, and yet, you know, I mean, how is he supposed to travel to this country now with cancer, right? I mean, it, it, it's hard. It's hard enough going to that country feeling great, but let alone with cancer, and so, You know, now he's got two big prayer requests. God, help me reach the children in this impossible country, and God, heal me of cancer, right? Well, it it, it was just, it just felt like it was a why me season. Well, he decided that he's not going to stop. He's going to continue to focus on the mission. Why? Because when he focuses on the mission, he focuses less on himself. And so he thought, you know what? It's healthy for me to continue to get out there, to continue to serve, and, He went to that country, and while he was in that country, he had this rare opportunity to speak to a high government official of this regime that is, you know, lording over this country. And of course, while talking, Bob happened to share, yeah, I've got cancer, I've been really struggling, but I'm really hopeful about it, and I I believe my God is going to heal me. And of course, it turned out that particular communist leader had literally just gotten the same exact cancer and diagnosis the day before, and he was Terrified over it. I mean, freaking out. And so all of a sudden, when he finds Bob, like, "Oh, you have the exact same cancer as me." Like, like, what are you? Like, how are you handling this? And of course, after talking with Bobby, it was very clear. He's like, "I do not have the hope that you have. I do not have the optimism you, that you have, Bob. Would you please, 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 please have dinner with me and talk to me about this?" And of course, Bob's thinking, "Oh my gosh, like, I'm literally gonna have." Uh, <laughs> a dinner with a high government atheist who is lording over the people and I'm gonna share the gospel. Like, Lord, help me do this. And of course, by the end, he had dinner, he shared the gospel. The communist leader was so blown away by Bob's faith, he's like, you know what, my country needs this. And, And he goes, I will find a way for you to print your Bible in my country. And so now it's actually being printed on a socialist government press in that country. I mean, come on, only God could make that happen. Only God could make that happen. In fact, in fact, their organization has now gotten God's word to over 3.6 million kids in a place where nobody else has been able to even get the Bible, right? I mean it's hard to smuggle the Bible in there and yet they can print it there because of the favor of God. Over they've now reached over a billion children around the world. Just just through that type of faith. And and guess what? Not long after after all this started happening, guess what? The cancer went into full remission. Listen to me. The presence of adversity does not mean God is not listening. Okay? In fact, sometimes the adversity, like Bob's cancer, is actually the very key that will unlock the impossible door. Are you hearing me, church? What if? Just what if? Your crisis was actually your key. What if your downfall was actually your windfall? In fact, Bob even told me, he he goes, ever since that experience, whenever I experienced adversity, I stopped asking the question, why? And I instead asked the question, for what purpose? For what purpose? What kind of miracle are you setting me up for, God? And how can I prepare for that? You see the difference. You see the difference in thought process. You see sometimes our setbacks are actually our setups. Sometimes when our lives feel like they're falling apart, they're actually falling together. And the only reason why we don't feel it is because we're not activating on the things that God has chosen for us to do. And what has he chosen for us to do? Let me recap. We were chosen to praise. We were chosen to serve. We were chosen to rejoice in suffering, to get excited in advance for how God is gonna turn our crisis into our key. And finally, this is the one I have not mentioned yet. We were chosen to succeed. You already know how this ends, right? You just finished reading your Bible, God won't abandon us to agonize forever. In fact, check this out. God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. You wanna know why you were chosen? You were chosen to succeed and reveal the glory and the power of God. In the end, the Bible says, you will look in triumph on your foes, Psalm 112. And that's why, again, Revelation 17, here's here's how it ends, right? Evil people will make war against the Lamb, but the Lamb, Jesus, will overcome them because he is Lord of lords and King of kings, and with him will be his called, chosen, and faithful followers, you're going to be in the victory parade, church. You are going to be in the victory parade. The happy ending is inevitable. In fact, even Jesus said in Mark 3, 1030, anything you sacrifice for the, for the sake of Christ is going to result in a hundredfold blessing, a hundredfold return on investment for anything you sacrifice. Come on, that's crazy return on investment. Man, you were called to succeed in church. That's why I love things like, like we got Serve Day coming up this next week where we're going to be showing practical love to people. In fact, we're joining with thousands of churches across the country just to demonstrate good deeds. To, again, just serving, serving the world around us. And why do we do it? Well, I mean, we could even think of some self-centered reasons, right? Because it gets us, the self-centered reason is ironically, it gets us out of self-centeredness right? It's the way that we decentralize self. It gets us focused on other people. And finally, when you focus on other people, guess what? You're going to find out there's a lot of people that are not only in your circumstances, but are in worse circumstances. Man, no matter how bad my life gets, there's always something worse, you know? Someone out there. And I, I, I just, even when I had my neck injury, man, when I was in the hospital, I, I, as it is, it is scary as my, my circumstance was, I was looking at a lot of people who were in even more dire circumstances, and I, I have never prayed more for other people in my life. Why? Because I, I suddenly realized just how many people need God's love and need God's hope, and and one thing I found for sure, there's always gonna be a reason to focus on ourselves. You know that, right? There's always gonna be a reason to ask why me if you're looking for it, and the devil is always gonna give you plenty of reasons to. To, you know, argue why you're a victim and why the world owes you. And, but here's the, attitude, the antidote to this cancer. This is, this is the solution. If we can just get our eyes off of ourselves onto him, the things that he has chosen us for, I am promising you, you will feel his joy. Why? Because you're no longer a, a consumer, but you're a conduit of his love. And that's what he wants to turn you into and so right now, can we just do business with God? What is that area you might be tempted to say, why me, in? And, and maybe things are actually going quite good in your life, but I think we all have things that we tend to whine to God about. And, and maybe, maybe what's the, 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 the frustration you tend to rehearse the most? Or maybe what's the prayer request you tend to pray the most. I want you just to identify it. God says it's okay to pray those prayer requests, but I-, I want you to lay those things down and trust me, okay? God says, you do your job. Do what I've chosen you to do. I'll do my job, and that's to save you. Praise be to the Lord, to God our Savior, who daily bears our burden. Psalm 68 says. Heavenly Father, I just thank you that you have chosen us to succeed. And God, we know that That's a high calling and sometimes that calling is accompanied with suffering. But God, we know that everything we sacrifice in your name will have a hundredfold return. God, you have something so much better, so much better. And so God, we just declare wherever we're at, whatever we're going through, that we trust you. And for some of us, Lord, that takes all the faith we've got and we don't have a whole lot. But God, we just say it right to you right now in this moment. We trust you and maybe you're here and you've never placed your trust in Jesus Christ before I just want to pray a simple repeat after me prayer and for some of you this is gonna be the salvation of your soul and your family would you just pray this after me say dear Jesus forgive me renew me and lead me starting today in Jesus name we pray if you agree with that prayer say amen